KXNO. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome. It's Miller and Condon on a Friday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you for the next couple of hours. We appreciate spend you spending uh, some of your time here with us. Well, as we arrive at the final Saturday of football since the third weekend in August, but who's mm-hmm. keeping track? Well, we are, uh, and it's here, but it promises to be, if it lives up to it, a couple of good ones. We'll get into those a lot. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list, we're going to do the clones and the Hawks early in the show uh, in reverse order. Tom Cakert will be up first. Of course, the Hawkeyes tonight. Carver Hawkeye is the scene. Maryland is the opponent. Uh, the weather... Uh, may or may not be a factor as far as some of you folks that may be headed over from central Iowa. But here's what we can not quite promise you, but real, get real close. Next Friday promises to be real nice. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to win four tickets to see Michigan and Iowa a week from tonight at 8 o'clock, simply go to KXNO.com, click on the contest tab. There you'll be asked to... Uh, your guess, total points, tonight's game, Maryland-Iowa, closest without going over. If you're the closest, Dr. Stephen Fuller from Fuller Family Dental is going to provide you four tickets, four tickets for next week. KXNO.com, contest tab, it's two questions, total points. If a tiebreaker is involved, it's Garza's rebounds and points tonight. Um, and it's simple as that. So Tom Caker will be up at 1025. Alex Halstead will uh, preview tomorrow's Oklahoma-Iowa State game at Hilton before they head out on the road next week to the state of Texas. Going to be no picnic taking on Baylor and Texas Tech. Uh, Alex Halstead, 1045. NFL segment to start the 11. Uh, Nick Athen on the Chiefs and Houston right at 11 o'clock. Ted Glover on the Vikings and the Niners. And then Dave Sinek in the headcheese.com. Uh, the Packers will end the divisional round weekend. 540 Lambeau Field taking on the Seahawks. Claxton's Barbecue. Our picks. It's a busy Friday how are you, sir? I'm doing well. It did feel a little empty last night, not having a local mm. college basketball team involved. But there was a really good Big Ten tilt. There was. Michigan-Purdue. Yes. Wasn't that something? Did how about Williams? That. When Harms gets hurt mm-hmm. in the first half... He's had, he was off to a good start. He's play, He was playing pretty well, the seven-foot-three um, pivot. So they go to Williams as the go-to guy, and Trent sets career highs. I mean, I, he had to sleep like a rock last night. <laughs> I mean, the, 44 minutes out of that dude. Who played 18 the last time out. That's just it. Had six and seven, six points, seven that's rebounds. That's his numbers where I didn't realize. Against it. Illinois on Sunday. And now he goes for 36 and 20. Jeez. Yeah. Figure it out. No, he was terrific. Jawan Howard had one of my favorite quotes, though, afterwards. Oh, I didn't hear. What did he say? Well, they asked about their struggles against big guys, including Luca Garza took, was brought up. and know. That was brought up in the press conference. He said, well, it's probably the head coach is just too it's hard-headed. Guard on me. <laughs> too hard-headed to yes. doubles because I expect our big guys to be able to play defense. I'm paraphrasing here. But that's basically yep. what he said. A big man that is actually mm-hmm. obviously a very good defender and... He wants his guys to be good on-ball defenders. Hasn't been the case, though. And, and it's weird because Teske, at least he had the reputation as a good defender. Mm-hmm. 
Hasn't been the case. Not last night. It wasn't. Williams had uh, an answer every single time, whether he'd uh, you know he'd put the ball on the floor and go around them to the left or to the right. He had it going last night. Williams was unbelievable in the basketball game. Stefanovic and uh, boy, when he doesn't make his shots, and like a lot of shooters, right? That's mm-hmm. uh, pretty captain obvious here. He's going to uh, you know you'd think you'd be able to rely more on him, and he had some opportunities to, to end this game, but you just felt you, at least I did. You got to win this thing in regulation. Wasn't the case. As Simpson hits a big bucket, how about his performance yes. last night? My God, love that dude. He's and unbelievable. He, there's limitations to his game. He's not a great shooter. Never going to be a great shooter. Mm-hmm. But there are so many other things. And starting with what he does on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, he he is as good of an on ball defender as you're going to find in college basketball. But big shot late, and he's that kind of guy too. He's not scared to have the ball in the big moment, and we've seen that certainly throughout his career. Michigan not as good as we thought at the beginning of the year. I'm with you. I think they uh, they kind of fooled us a little bit. They did no. So did Iowa State. They're a tournament frankly. team. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, Michigan is for sure. But Michigan they're is. they're not a top four seed. They're not a protected. I seed. would be surprised. Yeah. yeah, I would be surprised. They're a more that. of that kind of six to ten mm-hmm. seed range, something mm-hmm. in there. Good, solidly in the tournament. Yep, but that's and about where, it. Where do you put them in the Big Ten pecking order? Four to seven. seven yeah, right in there. I'm with you. I'm with you. We're going to see a really good team tonight uh, mm-hmm. at Carver Hawkeye in Maryland. It's going to be a, this is a big, big spot for Iowa. What's the number, by the way? It is two. What? Maryland favored by to open at one and a half, quickly move to two, and it has settled there at least here throughout the morning. Hmm. Now, we've had these conversations before because this seems easy. Bohannon playing? <laughs> it's Frederick's leg all right is now? Is he okay? I don't think so. Hmm. Seems really easy. It does, doesn't it? But mm, two, yeah, it does seem really easy. The last time I was this confident in betting against Iowa in an Iowa basketball game involving the point spread. How far back? It was last year. Okay. It was when they went out to Madison Square Garden. They were taking on a top 10 Oregon team. Oh, yes. And you loved Oregon. Oh, double Uh fisted, all about the Ducks. Bull. Let's. Pritchard, on and on and on. This team, they're really good. And it sounded like at that time that Louis King was going to give it a go. Of course, he didn't play until late mm-hmm. in that game, which was weird in its own right. But we didn't know what Iowa was at that point. Coming on the heels of an awful season the year previous, this is easy. <laughs> this is easy. See, this is why I don't, I don't go anywhere near the locals, Trent, because and we're, we're, we're are, too close to yes, it. Yes, we're skewed. Um, the game-to-game reaction yeah. that we have, it, it really does. It skews our perception. Well, we're going back to our last time we saw this team was in Lincoln. And they went 4 of 33 right. from 3. They're not doing that again. No, this is Maryland, not Nebraska. Right. It is. And it's 2? Two? 2 points. I'm, it, it seems crazy. It seems too easy, right? And when it seems too easy, what do you do? Uh, so we'll see. The last two times, though, Maryland's gone on the road. They've only played two true road games this year. And? They lost to Seton Hall. They lost to Penn State. That was pretty good. And Penn State, that was back in December, right? It was. Right, right, right. But two games they played on the road, they're Mm -hmm. 0-2. And they haven't played very well offensively in either of those games. We will see. You wouldn't anticipate it's going to be a banged-out building with the weather we're going to have. No, but I I thought that I saw that both of those games were selling relatively well. yeah. But you're right. There could be a lot of no-shows, Trent, Mm -hmm. if indeed the weather forecast is as accurate as they've been. They've been really good. Students aren't going to be there. Oh, no. Yeah. Never thought of that angle. Yeah, maybe not a bad thing over When do they go back to school? Monday? I think so, yeah. And Mm. actually, I think Iowa might be a week later. At least that's the way it used to be when I was there. It was Iowa State, you and I would always start 
this Monday coming up. Yeah. Iowa would start on MLK weekend. We actually start on Tuesday. So we'd have that Monday off on top of it. Became too long of a break after a while. Like, all right, let's get going here. Really? Because yeah, it pushes into it? The, well, because it pushes it into the spring. Okay. And it, oh, I see. What yeah, you yeah. Mean. No, you're going to go later into May. Yeah. You don't want that. So uh, I don't know if that's still the calendar that way it works. But the students more than likely aren't going to be there. We'll see what the environment is. But they're not going to play nearly as poorly as they did. It's a home game. What else can you sell? Garza gets Smith in trouble. Foul trouble early. You better hope so. Wieskamp can't shoot nearly as poorly as he well, did. There's no way he will. There's no way he'll. He's do a that. different guy at home than he uh-huh. is on the road. Uh-huh. Um, I'm kind of running out of ammunition yeah. here, yeah. and because this team is so depleted mm-hmm. that you don't have a whole lot there. Wiggins Wieskamp's going to be pretty darn good, I would yeah. think. Uh, Anthony Cowns as good a point guard as there is, in the, it, certainly in the conference uh, for sure. Jalen Smith, you mentioned he's a he's a block party waiting to happen, uh, and there was a lot of folks that thought that he was going to follow Bruno out the door to the draft last year, uh, and it was a kind of somewhat of a surprise that Jalen Smith came back. I would anticipate that this is his final year, uh, but we'll see. Big spot tonight, six o'clock, Big Ten Network or FS1. Hmm. Well, it's one of those two. It is one of those two. In the past, these have been the FS1 games, and it is this evening. So we'll probably get Tim Brando tonight, won't we? Well, he didn't work last night that I saw, unless he had the Pac-12 game, and I don't, I didn't watch it after the uh, after the Purdue Michigan game. I went over to ESPN two and watched Minnesota uh, in Michigan State, a game that was okay, better for than a while. I anticipated. For yeah, a while. especially with Minnesota with uh, with Carr being in as much foul trouble as he was, and mm-hmm. they need him to score. And he picked up his he picked up his fourth foul. Like he got his third, and then within a minute, he picked up his fourth foul, and then and that was like eighteen and a half minutes left in the second half. So he had to go to the bench for a. Uh, uh, prolonged period of time, and 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 that was that hurt him. But boy, you know what? Every time you watch this team, uh, just watching Winston play, Trent, night after night after night, he just he's so damn good, right? There's every every now and then, or not every now and then, every year seemingly, you find one of these college guys that you've watched over the couple of years, and you think, wow, oh, boy, he's so good. And then he does something when you're watching, and think it, oh my god. He's way better than even I thought, right? Mm-hmm. Or he's got that part of his game, and he's one of those dudes. He's one of the best players in the country. Uh, and Tillman was terrific last night. Um, are they the best team in the Big Ten? I guess. I think they are. I think they are. What are they now in, in conference play? Are they 5-0 and or was that 4-0 and last night? 5-0, and I think. It was it 5-0 yeah, last only night? Only team in the conference that has yes. yet to suffer a loss. Maryland's hot on their heels with one loss, and they lost to Penn State back in uh, December when those uh, two games... Uh, Pop up on the schedule. Also three and one, Rutgers. Telling you, those are, those are your top three right now. Isn't that something? Michigan State, of course. Maryland, I got you. Yeah, Rutgers. Now I knew Rutgers was going to be better, but not. They're off to a good start. They've, they've got some. They've got some guys, and I knew it. One last Friday night when I watched them in Lincoln, and again they're playing Nebraska, but it was the way they dominated that basketball game. All right, we've got four football games this weekend. Again, tomorrow, the final Saturday. Actually, we've got five if you want to put James Madison and North Dakota State into your, uh, into your viewing plans for tomorrow. They kick off at 11 o'clock on ABC. James Madison's favorite in that game. The two-seed is a slight favorite, or has it come back? Uh, well, you mentioned this to me earlier in the week because it had been pick basically since the yeah. game kind of had been announced. And, and it was like one and a half. When we taped our Mediacom show, yes. um, inside the numbers on Wednesday, James Madison was a slight favorite. Looking at it right now, James Madison, one, one and a half, mm-hmm. still out there pretty much most spots. 
interesting. I mean, you would think the public money would be North Dakota the bison, State. Yep. They're the national program. They're you the known wa- program. True, but if you watched any of these playoffs, yes. James Madison's legit. Well, that defense is ridiculously mm-hmm. good. And if there's a team that can certainly slow them down, you would think that would be it. Mm-hmm. I have a future ticket on James Madison. I don't think I'm going to play the game at all. But I am just, when you first told me that, and as I look at it still today, are we going to see a slew of public money come in today and tomorrow on North Dakota well, I State? I don't know, Trent. What because, kind of handle do they get yeah, on that's this just game? It. It's, it's, well, it's a standalone, and it's the only thing happening in Vegas mm-hmm. uh, at 9 o'clock their time tomorrow morning. And, of course, it's sports boysering is more than Vegas now. Boy, New Jersey's just crushing them. New Jersey's numbers are off the roof. I mean, they're taking turns going back and forth, handling more money than Nevada is, which I didn't wow. see coming. But again, although sports is now available in New York, right? Didn't they pass? I think they did. I'm pretty sure. That, I'm pretty sure New York still does. Uh, but there's you know so many people go through the tunnel into the Meadowlands at the uh, the racetrack out there and the and the uh, and the book that is it a DraftKings product? I, yes, I, I know they is. do have one there. Yeah, I think they do have one as well. All yeah. right, so these games tomorrow. Let's get let's spend a couple of minutes on them. Of course, we're I think for the most part where we sit, we're certainly crossing our fingers that we get a Vikings Green Bay NFC Championship on uh, next Sunday. I think the Packers can win, Trent. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm afraid the Vikings played their Super Bowl last week. That they put it all yes. all their eggs in one basket, and reality is going to set in. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something yesterday, so I was doing a little research uh, yesterday about the tight end. Like, who's going to guard George Kittle? Mm-hmm. Something I didn't realize: the Vikings are the second best team this year against tight ends. Are they? Which shocked me. Yeah, because I think we all have memories of what happened last year in that game against the Rams where Todd Gurley was coming oh, out no. and they were just getting guys on those linebackers and, and Barr was getting stuck behind. Mm-hmm. And they looked it wasn't so, his fault. It wasn't. Right. No. I mean, it, just, he's just a step slow. And, and it was a coverage mistake more than anything. Exactly. But with Harris and Sandejo now playing that nickel Harris spot. Harris has been unbelievable. He's been really good. And even though Harrison Smith's not the guy we saw a few years mm-hmm. ago, coupled with the linebackers and Hendricks and on and on and on, maybe not George Kittle isn't that big of an impact in this game because of that. And it, much like trying to come up with reasons with Iowa beating Maryland, right. coming up with reasons for the Vikings, they control the football the same way they did last week against the Saints. They're in this game in the second half, right? I hope so. What worries me is Nick Bosa and Riley Reef. Oh. <laughs> There's a match if I hadn't thought of it. That was scary. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. This Bosa kid. Which Bosa's better? I think I think the little brother. I think Nick. And this is saying a lot. Yeah, it is. Because Joey Bosa's a hell of a player for the Chargers. But Nick Bosa, my God, what a beast he is. That's going to be uh, that's going to go a long way to a lot determining of this game. I think so too. I think you're going to keep uh, Rudolph, Rudolph in, a little in bit. there a little bit, maybe. And hey, um, go get a chip. Yeah, Ham's not. Ham's played a, a little I bit like of a role. Guy. I do too. I like fullbacks. They're big, big fullback. All right, so let's go to the night game. It's nine and a half. I guess the weather's supposed to be rainy in in and Maryland. Warm, like sixty. So uh, unseasonably warm, but rain. But rainy. Okay. Um, Derek, buy- go ahead. I, Derek Henry has been unbelievable. Yeah. They can Trent, shorten the game that points. way. I think it's too many points. It does feel... I was listening to one of the casino operators, and he mentioned, in terms of ticket count, it's almost all Titans. It's like 80, really? 80% Titans grabbing the, grabbing the points. It's, but the money in is In terms what? of money, 
and I think this was maybe at Caesars. I can't remember which property it was out in Vegas. But yeah, in terms of ticket count, all Titans. In terms of actual money bet, though, mm. the big money is coming in on the other side on the Ravens and laying that number there, which is interesting because it's usually the opposite direction. The favorite is usually the one that is getting the the public support. The the game plan is pretty simple. It's Derrick Henry, shorten the game, yep. keep Lamar and company off the field and in a rainy game? Maybe. I, I'm leaning more your direction, though. I'm, grabbing the points? I'm grabbing, yeah. What, I, I, will, what will you do on Sunday as far as leaning? Because I guess the weather that we're getting here is going to, is it going to hit Kansas City? I know it's going to hit Green Bay. I think it's coming up from there right now. Is it? I was looking at one of the radars, and the weather that's coming in is coming up through that direction. I don't know if it's cold enough down there, if they're getting snow right now, or what it's going to be. Houston played really well in that Week 6 game. Ran the ball incredibly Mm -hmm. well against the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are a different football team. Well, they had a bunch of their guys out in that football game. They're a different team, certainly Uh defensively. But don't you think they can keep it snug? I do. See, I'm, I'm, th- I'm thinking I'm grabbing both nine and a halfs that are available this weekend. Here's something for you. You take... Or do you touch them up? Do you, do you move it to, to, to 16 on both counts? That's a two-teamer. What, you give plus one third or minus 130 to do that? Yeah, that's not a bad one. Or do you, and then do you throw the, Viking, or the, uh, the Niners in and they just have to win for a three-teamer? Now you're talking my language. I like those three-teamers. They don't come in for me very often, unfortunately. No, that's why they call them Tezia, right? They tease you. Speaking of that, these first three games, leaving the Packers-Seahawks, which of the four makes looks like the most coin flip kind of game. I agree. If you just take money line on the 49ers, the Ravens, and the Chiefs, it's even money. Is it really? Maybe depending on where kind mm-hmm. of the price. I saw one place had it straight and you have minus one hundred three to get to, to to double your money. Yes, or minus one hundred five maybe. Uh-huh. What you, but basically, so who screws it up of those three? Well, I hope it it's the like, Niners that screw it up. I would right. love to see. I mean, look, a trend. We we both were salivating at the prospect of having the Vikings and the, uh, maybe you're not as a Bears fan, but I certainly I am. still am. Does that make me a bad fan? No, it makes it makes you. Uh, it's, it's good for our business. Right. That's what yeah. we get next week. Yeah. Fandom aside, it's good for us. Um, who's going to screw it up? Tennessee, the Chiefs. I think all three of them can screw it up too. I That's the too. other difficult part too. about this. Kansas City, we've seen it before. We saw it against the Titans mm-hmm. a couple of years ago mm-hmm. in the divisional round. So, how do the Vikings win this football game? Obviously, Dalvin Cook one fifty. And he's capable. Jimmy G's, this is his first ever playoff game. This is Shanahan's yeah, first Jimmy, ever playoff see, game. I like Jimmy G. Uh, he, he can. Mm-hmm. He's had some rough moments. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play well. Boom, there it is. Gave it to you in two. How does Tennessee do it? Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Wet game. Yep. Couple of turnovers. Ball slips out of Lamar's Jackson's hurt. hand. Yeah. Tucker misses a big kick. That's not going to happen. 2016. That's how they get it done. Houston, I like the three-team teaser. I I think I'd move the number to 16. For both those. For both of those, and then take the Niners down to the Niners just have to win. I like it. Play it. I'm out. (laughs) Uh, We've got uh, Tom Caker coming up. We'll get more on Tom Caker. Alex Halstead, by the way, is going to join us at 1045. Wrote a really good piece on, on Iowa State football and... You know, the middle of that defensive line, the uh, the parts that they're going to have to replace. So we'll talk some football uh, with Alex. We'll also do, obviously, a ton of basketball for Iowa State tomorrow. Do they have to win for their fan base at Hilton? It's going to be because next week's going to be ugly, more uh-huh. than likely. 
And the fact that the the last couple of games at Hilton have not gone their way. The losing streak would move to four consecutive if they drop this one. And, and looking three like in a row at Hilton. And it's looking like it'd probably be six in a row if that'd be the case afterwards with because Baylor and Texas. Because of the two road games, yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's at home next? Is it Oklahoma State? Yes. Next weekend, so that they could break, they could get off the schneid if indeed this one doesn't go their way tomorrow night. I don't know, but you'd be talking about a month in between wins if it plays out that way. Is that how long? It was, when was their last win after the Iowa game? Had to have been December twenty second against the Matadors. From oh my God, Fort Wayne. That's their last win, December twenty second. Well, there was only was there one? There was only one game between that, right? There was, but you would be talking about a six game losing yeah. streak. Yeah. That's difficult to swallow. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough patch on the calendar. Tom Kakert next. Uh, Alex Halstead coming up. A lot of NFL conversations to start off the eleven o'clock hour. All right, right now it's time to pay your bills with iHeartRadio and fourteen sixty KXNO. Text the keyword taxi to two hundred two hundred. That's taxi to two hundred two hundred. Your chance to win a grand. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Miller and Condon continue with Tom Kakert from Hawkeye. Report.com. He's next on 1460. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Alex Halstead coming up on Iowa State about oh, 15 minutes or so from now. Let's go to Tom Kakert. HawkeyeReport.com. He joins the program. Uh, Tom Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, sir? Doing well. Hope you guys are doing all right. Absolutely are. Did you see any Big Ten action last night? But it was certainly the Purdue-Michigan game was terrific. Minnesota gave Michigan State a little bit of a scare, but the, uh, uh, the Spartans clash showed at the end. Did you see any of those two, Tom? I watched uh, the Purdue-Michigan game a good part of it. Um, and it was an interesting game. It, you know, Purdue came back. Just you, you knew that that Illinois game they were going to after that Illinois yes. debacle where they scored thirty seven points, they were going to come back pretty strong, and they did. And um, you know, for them, I you you have to wonder what's what's uh, what's the status of arms, arms going forward. I think that's. That's a huge deal. For no, no question. 7-3 kid. He's got hip trouble. You know, back to that uh, game last Sunday night, Tom. Did I see that that's the low, the lowest amount of points Purdue has scored in their history? Did you see that? They, they, I, I didn't see that, but it wouldn't surprise me. Crazy. But, uh, maybe it's under Painter or something. I don't know. It's That was just a weird, weird game. It was obviously hard to watch, too. Yeah, <laughs> no I doubt. I did watch some of it. No doubt. This conference overall, Tom, we'll get into Maryland and, and Iowa page specifically to that in just a second. But the conference overall, I mean, Maryland, Rutgers start, Purdue sneaking up on uh, Penn State, rather, sneaking up on some teams. I think maybe even Wisconsin's better than we thought that they were going to be. Such a fun conference. Yeah, since Wisconsin got uh, the Potter kid in there, they've kind of caught fire a little bit, but then they get upended the other night and and here you look at Ohio State, who was, were they number one for a week at least? Or about to be named number one, maybe. They were number one yeah, at Ken Palm like for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and now they're they're down with Iowa at one and three. Mm. <laughs> Figure it out. Oh, I yeah. just, and, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. This, this, uh, conference is going to be a bloodbath there's going to be a lot of 10 and 10 11 and 9 kind of teams and and 9 and 11 teams this year i think 
Well, let's look at tonight, Tom. It is Maryland coming in, one of certainly the most talented teams in this conference, from Cohen to Smith all the way through. Wiggins is playing at an incredibly mm-hmm. high level. They got dudes up and down that roster. Yet, the point spread is only two. <laughs> After what we saw at Iowa earlier this week, I know you peruse the gambling lines here. Help me out. What's going on? Why are the Hawks only getting two points in Carver? Well, I, I think it comes down to you can't uh, judge a team by one game. And the, you have to think that 433 was a bit right. of an anomaly the other night at Wisconsin or at, at Nebraska. Um, and here's the other thing. Maryland's only played two road games this year, mm-hmm. and they lost both of them. Uh, and one, only one on a quote-unquote campus arena. The other one was uh, a, a road game against Seton Hall that was played in Newark uh, and wasn't played in the uh, Seton Hall's regular gym. Uh, and, and then they lost to uh, Penn State up in Happy Valley by seven. You know, you can. I I would argue that the Palestra was more hostile than uh, the Bryce Jordan Center usually is. So, um, and Iowa played that one to a single digit. So, I I think that's part of it. Is you just look at Maryland has not uh, hasn't played much on the road. They haven't. Uh, one on the road, so you have to factor that in as well. Uh, you know what I want to factor into tonight's game, and that's a much better performance out of Bakari Evelyn, who has teased us, Tom. The Cincinnati game played really well. I uh, need to see more of that, especially with the depleted lineup that McCaffrey is saddled with. They need Evelyn. They even need, you know, Cordell Pemsel to, you know, to uh, to play his best game. But I think particularly Bakari Evelyn needs to step up because he has at times. Yeah, and he hasn't really. Uh, that Cincinnati game was is kind of almost become an anomaly with him because he was not playing well before then. Then he comes off the bench in that game and plays really well, uh, and, and really helps him. I think in a tough spot where Toussaint was, uh, you know, uh, not playing his best basketball in that game, and they needed somebody, and he provided a spark, but. Um, but he just looks tentative with this shot right now. He's got a, and maybe some home cooking. I mean, it, it's crazy to think that Iowa, it, it's been over a month and Iowa's only played one home game and that was against Kennesaw State. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe getting home will help the Hawks, uh, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable and they're home for a good, you know, other than going to Northwestern, they're home for a little stretch here. So that maybe that'll help them right the ship a little bit. You know, another guy, Joe Wieskamp, struggled with his shot. And without having Frederick out there, they need him on the perimeter. As a scorer, they need him on both ends of the floor. They're asking a lot of him defensively. But I think a lot of people had bigger expectations as a whole for Joe Wieskamp than what we've seen this year. I know he's been a little bit sick, maybe banged up here. But why haven't we seen maybe that next step out of Wieskamp in your mind? He's averaging 14 points and six rebounds a game for a, a wing forward. That's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know what fans' expectations were of uh, that the thought he would be better than this. This is kind of who I thought Joe would be. Mm-hmm. Um, the the one for ten was was kind of freakish. He's too good a shooter to go one of ten. But uh, I I wonder if. Maybe the travel, playing a lot of minutes, legs. There's been a flu bug going through the team. All that just kind of, um, you know, kind of piled up on them uh, at Nebraska, and uh, and they weren't able to 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 get the win there. And 
teams are going to play Iowa differently now, and they've got to adjust to it. Uh, specifically, they're playing Luca different. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he gets the ball, it's three guys going at him because they don't respect the the outside shots of Connor McCaffrey, Joe Toussaint, Bakari Evelyn. They just don't. And um, and Iowa's going to have to find an answer and how to get the ball to Luca and and keep him productive because he's been the He's been the horse for this team so far this year. You know, they're they're so depleted, and this is going to sound like I'm being critical of Austin Ash. I'm not. I know nothing hardly about the dude. Uh, but when, you know, when it's good news that he's going to be available uh, in tonight's game, Tom, that tells me that this is a pretty depleted lineup because this is a kid that averages, he's played in three games and averaging two minutes in those yeah. games. So, I mean, this is what they're down to, but point being is McCaffrey needs bodies. Yeah, well, the thing that he brings to the table, he is a very good outside shooter. Um, you know, he, he will be challenged defensively, but Iowa's primarily a, a 2-3 zone team now. I mean, they're, they're, they've become Syracuse in some respects because they just they have to play zone almost all the time because they can't mm-hmm. uh, uh, play man because they, they want to kind of give their guys a little bit of a, a, a rest. They're just so depleted, and they want to try and avoid fouls. Uh, and that could happen if you're playing man to man, and uh, uh, I, I think that's going to be the way they're going to have to play and see if they can, uh, you know, just kind of um, keep this together with the, the wires and strings a little bit and uh, and keep moving forward. The thing I've been impressed with is none of the guys on the team and Fran have kind of used anything uh, as far as an excuse of like yeah, we're just beat up and. You know, we, we lost too many guys. It's been just the opposite, um, you know, when they could have easily used that as an excuse. Team's playing a lot slower than they ever have under Fran. Uh, I think going back the last five years, this is the lowest pace that the Hawkeyes have played at. I think that's certainly due to necessity here. Back to tonight's matchup. Is that the way you have to win it, a grind it out, 68-65 type of game? You know what they were talking about yesterday? They've got to push it more in transition and okay. try to get those baskets. And and I think that's what you're going to see is if they get those opportunities to push it a little bit more, um, I, I think they're going to try and do that. And that's a way to combat teams from uh, just sagging on Luka is that, uh, get out in transition, run, uh, take shots when they're open, or attack the basket. Tom, uh, this, this Maryland lineup, I mean, Cowan, I think, is the ringleader of it all. He makes it go. Smith is, uh, you know, big body inside. Wiggins is as athletic as as, uh, as you're going to find. But is Cowan to you, and I know there's some good point guards in the conference. I mean, we watched one last night uh, in East Lansing, and he's unbelievable. But this Cowan's not far behind, is he? He's a really good player, and if you don't follow Maryland for whatever reason, where would you put Cowan as far as the pecking order among some of the, I'm not asking for a specific, oh, he's number seven, but you know what I mean. He's one yeah. of the best players in this conference. Yeah, well, he's on the Wooden Award list with Luca Garza now, too. There so, you go. Uh, that just tells you how, you know, top 25 player in the country so far this year, averaging almost 17 points and uh, four assists a game. Uh, and he's really matured. I remember when he was a freshman and came into Carver and had a uh, what I thought was kind of a rough game, and he just was... You know, playing a lot like Joe Toussaint does sometimes now, playing with your hair on fire a little bit, mm-hmm. playing too quick and trying to do a little bit too much at times. Uh, and he's matured, hit some big shots. Um, and I think the Illinois game, wasn't that one of them where he hit a big shot late to, to uh, secure a win there? 
and you know, they've got a really solid, big, physical uh, starting five. Then they bring uh, Ayala is another guy that I always yep. really like, and he you bring him off the bench, and he can. He's hurt Iowa in the past. He's a good shooter, uh, plays really smart, and tough. Uh, so they've got a really solid team. I'm just I, the the matchup I'm really interested in tonight is Luca against Jalen Smith uh, sticks if they. Uh, it, it and and see how he does. He's an NBA talent, yep. um, uh, but I'm curious if Turgeon's going to try and double and triple team, or if he's just going to say sticks, you go get him and see how you can do. And uh, if they do that, I think Jalen Smith's going to be sitting next to Turge uh, for a lot of the game. That's what Luca can do. On the other side, Jalen Smith though has been very good himself at drawing fouls and yeah. well, not a whole lot of depth for Iowa. That's certainly a scary proposition. If the CJ Frederick injury is four to six weeks. What is a realistic expectation for this team? Is it keep your head above water and hope to be an NIT team? Is there still a path for an NCAA tournament team? Where would you be with Frederick having to shut it down for a while? Boy, if he's, you know, and most people who treat those types of injuries will tell you it's four to six week injury generally for the average person. So, you know, he could come back sooner. Um, it depends on the, the healing and, and how the doctors feel. Um, Fran kind of sounded a little bit more of an ominous tone after the Nebraska game, basically saying if we have to shut him down, we have to shut him down, which kind of makes you think that's a possibility that he's just done for the year. Um, I think we'll know more the next week or so uh, what, what kind of the fate of this Iowa team is. If they come out tonight and then go to Northwestern and it's still a struggle, uh, you know, four thirty-three ish type of games from three, uh, then you know that this team, it, it's just, they're, they're going to sink and that's just natural. Uh, but if they can come out and win this one, then I think, um, uh, tonight, then, then you, you go out and you think, well, maybe they can keep their NCAA hopes alive, but it's going to be hard. I mean, their margin for error is, is gone and mm-hmm. then some at this point. All right, Tom, Monday night. Grabbing the points in Clemson, you're going to give the points in LSU. Who do you like in the Natty? I um, it's hard to bet against Clemson. I'm with you. This is especially when you're getting almost a touchdown. I, I just you know if you're going to give me six and a half, seven points, I'm going to take Dabo every time. I'm with you. It kind of seems like the way that it went from everybody a lot of LSU love, and yeah. it feels like as this week has progressed, the Clemson love has started to come back in. Hey, Tom, I haven't talked to you since the announcement from Geno Stone. I think to the Iowa media, it didn't come as a big shocker. Some outsiders, though, looked at it and said, boy, this guy's not going to be picked in the first three, four, maybe five rounds of the NFL draft. What's happening with Geno Stone? Why is he leaving? Yeah. He just he thinks he's going to probably go in the fourth or fifth round, and he thinks that a year from now he would have gone in the fourth or fifth round. So why not no, just, yeah. uh, get there now? And that makes some sense. It, does. it just does. I mean, if if you're if you're going to if you're draft, you're not. He's not going to get taller. He's probably not mm-hmm. going to get much faster. He's probably not going to get much bigger. The one thing that can happen to him next year is he could probably get hurt. You know, he might mm-hmm. be able to have an all-american year and get to his third round grade but more than likely he's fourth or fifth round still because his it's like he told me when he told me that he had put his name in he said 
not going to get any bigger and probably not going to get much faster. You know, when so, you put it that way, Tom, it makes it perfect sense. It really and truly does. That's great analysis there, Tom, and great uh, info, yeah. uh, your conversation with him. Tom, great stuff. We're out of time. Thank you. We will uh, talk to you a week from today as Michigan pays a visit uh, to Carver-Hawkeye. Thank you, Tom Caker, and have a good week. Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Got a chance to uh, win tickets to that Michigan-Iowa game. KXNO.com contest tab. Uh, Dr. Stephen Fuller, FullerFamilyDental.net, providing four tickets all together um, for next Friday's game. Total points tonight, closest without going over. Tiebreakers, Garza's points, and rebounds tonight, if necessary. We'll use that, and that is also closest without going over. But four ducats at KXNO.com. Just two simple questions, and you'll be registered and have your opportunity to win. Of course, the contest closes tonight when the ball goes in the air for Maryland and Iowa. We'll come back. Alex Halstead on Iowa State. Trent and I until noon. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 14... In Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, heavy NFL to start the 11 o'clock hour. Let's finish this hour of the program talking Iowa State, and we'll do so with Alex Halstead, 24-7 Sports, part of CycloneAlert.com. We appreciate him coming on. We'll take a look at Oklahoma. I want to start with football. Alex, good to talk to you. Appreciate you coming on, as always. I really enjoyed your piece yesterday. On, uh, on on what lies ahead as far as the middle of that defensive line uh, with uh, having to replace Ray Lima and Jamal Johnson. Jamal Johnson's a kid to me who I thought really flew under the radar. And, and you know, with with the fact that he's six foot, I guess he's six foot, um, that may prevent him from getting the look that I think his ability deserves at the next level. But I think he's going to get a chance. Point being, these are two really good pieces that are that have run out of eligibility. Uh, not going to be easy to replace him. But the one kid, and you pointed out in your article, uh, J.R. Singleton, his name, I know nothing about him. But boy, oh boy, Coach Campbell, uh, effusive in his praise. He was just glowing about this kid. What can you tell us? Coming in at that defensive tackle uh, slash nose guard position, but it it is going to be quite a battle for them to try to replace and, and fill the shoes of Ray Lima and Jamal Johnson. But, um, you know, they have two guys on the roster who've been here the last few years who haven't really played much, and Joshua Bailey and Isaiah Lee, those guys are going to get shots, obviously, in spring ball to prove that they can be next up. Um, but it's the two guys coming in that I think are going to draw the most buzz, and that starts with, um, you know, Juco defensive tackle Latrell Bankston. He arrived on campus yesterday. He'll be here for winter workouts and spring ball. The number 12 Juco in the country, a Juco All-American. He's obviously going to be, I think, the fan favorite to, um, you know, be the starter at that position. But uh, J.R. Singleton, uh, a guy that most people probably know as Willis Singleton, uh, committed in the, in the 2020 class. Um, and he's uh, a kid that was one of the best players in the state of Illinois this last year. Put up some really good numbers from that defensive tackle position. And, uh, yeah, I think if you go back to Matt Campbell's comments about this 2020 class, uh, he was, you know, uh, putting a lot of praise out there for Latrell Bankston and uh, Juco wide receiver Xavier Hutchinson. But I think the, the guy that he really went out of his way to praise was uh, J.R. Singleton. And, and uh, this is a kid that's going to be a true freshman. It's hard to play that position as a true freshman, but uh, based on the way Campbell talked about him, he could be a kid that plays early in his career. You know, Ray Lima is such a special talent playing inside, his uh, ability to occupy space. And he was, to me, the really the ringleader of them being able to move to this umbrella 3-3-5 defensive look that they've employed the last couple of years. If they can't find a replacement for him, could we see more adjustments in a different kind of scheme 
for Iowa State, maybe coupled with, seems like Big 12 teams at least a little bit are starting to figure out how to combat what Iowa State's done defensively. Yeah, that's going to be one of the interesting questions of, of spring ball in the offseason and then going into fall camp is, does Iowa State make any adjustments to this three-three-five defensive scheme, especially uh, with the defensive line that they have bringing back? I mean, obviously, most of this last year we saw the ends um, starting where Zach Peterson and Eddie Wazrike and those guys returned, but they also now bring back Jaquan Bailey. Uh, Tucker Robertson started playing more. He played a little bit in the bowl game. He's kind of moved out to defensive end. But then if they feel like several of those defensive tackles can play, you know, how much four-man front do they run or how much do they mix things up? Because I think Eddie Wazrike is a guy that can even shift inside at times because of his, uh, his size. So I think there's a lot of questions about what the scheme will look like because you know, as Matt Kimball likes to say, players' formations plays, you know, if their best players are up front, if, if, if that defensive line becomes a strength for them in terms of numbers, um, it'll be interesting to see what they try to do, or do they just stick with the three-man front and continue rotating like they did last year? Uh, one of the other questions defensively, too, is the linebacker. Ryan Vance got hurt, and he was playing very, very good football. Mike Rose is Mike Rose. I mean, what a career he's had in his two years. But is there any chance... I guess this is all dependent on Vance, or maybe not. Does Mike Rose get the middle linebacker spot back, or is he now in his place? Yeah, that's a question fans have been asking really since the end of the season because, you know, with losing Marcel Spears, it's obviously going to be a unit that they're going to have to reevaluate. I think Jake Hummel's probably the, the early favorite to start in place of Marcel Spears, and so if they keep it as is, you know, you'd have Orion Vance in the middle, um, Mike Rose at one linebacker spot and then uh, Jake Hummel at the other linebacker spot. But they have some other guys that have been coming on. You know, Eric Horn is a kid that redshirted last year, but he started to get some praise from coaches. Um, you know, Will McDonald, it looks like he's going to move back and st- stick at that defensive end spot. Uh, but we'll see this offseason, you know, what that looks like. So they have some different different stuff and possibilities there. But I think this is a time where maybe you take a look. You know, I think they thought Mike Rose played well outside, but his natural position does seem to be inside. But uh, I think it's going to be an interesting um, kind of few months to see if they take a look and see if Orion Vance can play in the outside or if he has to stick in the middle. And uh, they have options. You know, they have some versatility there. Jake Hummel practiced at all three linebacker spots as well. So they have some different options there. But, you know, they got to replace Marcel Spears first and then I think figure out how those other pieces fit uh, next to uh, whoever, you know, ends up at that starting spot. Talking with Alex Halstead from Cyclone Alert. Schedule early on, it's uh, not exactly the most daunting. An important early season. We've seen a couple of times under Campbell them dig themselves a little bit of a hole early on. A big start. It's something I'm sure is going to be a conversation piece, knowing you got to be ready starting in September out of the gate. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously South Dakota this year, instead of a I or even a South Dakota State, I think South Dakota isn't quite on par with those schools, but still kind of a, you know, a game that kind of always sets a tone for the season is how that FCS game goes. Uh, UNLV comes to Ames next year. They'll have a new head coach. Um, and so that'll be, you know, one of their first games with, with their new head coach. I think, you know, kind of getting over that hump of Iowa is kind of a big, big piece for next year because, like you said, that slow starts. That's been part of them. Uh, the Big 12 schedule in recent years, they played Oklahoma early and, and stuff like that. Um, but I think if they can start 3-0, and uh, for the first time in Matt Campbell's tenure, I think that's kind of what sets them on on the path towards maybe um, you know having one of those breakout seasons that I, I, everyone wanted to have this past season. Um, you know they've they've been really good in October the last three years, but they they've got to find a way to kind of get over that hump and and maybe beat Iowa and, and start three and zero. You know when you look back at Paul Rhodes, he only went to bowl games when I think he started three and zero. I think that's one positive for Matt Campbell is you know he's been able to not necessarily win that Iowa game and still have these you know, seven, eight win seasons with chances at nine wins a couple times. Um, 
But if he can start 3-0 uh, and then take that into, I think they played Kansas early and some of those uh, early Big 12 games before they really get into Oklahoma and Texas, um, I think that's what's really going to be the key to having that 9-10 win season that everybody wants to have. Well, we have to get around to it, and that's basketball. Um, <laughs> All and right. Here comes Oklahoma. Boy, it just feels like such an important game for the team, and you know, you want to you want to get off the Big Twelve schneid. You also want to do so in front of the home folks, right? Give them, let them leave uh, Hilton with the, with a good feeling for the first time in a while, knocking off a a team that's off to a terrific start. I'm not sure that K State's worth a damn, and I'm not sure where Texas is going to be at the end. But nonetheless, Oklahoma's beaten the two teams that they faced to start the conference season. Doolittle's Doolittle. The enemy's playing better. Trent's loved Manic since he's got there 10 years ago. Um, it's it's going to be tough, I guess, Alex. How will they How will they turn the tide after we what we saw uh, the other night against Kansas? How does this one end up in the win column? Yeah, this this is a really important game, and not even for any any purpose of postseason or anything. I don't think at this point that should be even right. really on the minds as much as just getting better and um, but it's still an important game. You know, Steve Prohm said after the Kansas game that, you know, he was sick after the TCU game, not necessarily for himself because he, you know, gets paid to do this. He gets paid to, you know, go through the ups and downs, but that, you know, he thought the players really needed to win in that TCU game, and he felt like they should have won that game, but you don't follow across half, half court, and obviously they bank in the three, and, and you end up with a loss there, even though it felt like, you know, they had a good shot to beat TCU. And, and so then you lose the game to Kansas, and now it's like you really got to win this because you look at what's ahead next week with road trip, uh, to Texas Tech and a road trip to Baylor. And if you don't win this, you're really staring down uh, the odds saying you're going to be 0-5 coming into that next week. So um, you know, this is a really important game. I think this is going to be a game that's going to be interesting to see if they do it in lineup shuffling. You know, the, the Kansas game, it didn't really make sense to do that because you had two bigs with Kansas, and, and maybe you still want to stick with that bigger lineup at least to start the game. Uh, but Oklahoma is you know, kind of an offensive-focused team, a team that's going to play small. At times, and so I wonder, you know, if we do see the lineup shuffle. Steve Prohm told us late last week that it's something he had considered, but you know, was more focused on you know what they needed to improve. But you know, after the way the other night went, and combined with the style Oklahoma wants to play, I'm interested to see if they if they shuffle anything. But I think Iowa State's just got to get better on the defensive end. You know, they've got uh, you know they're kind of in a weird spot right now because their defense hasn't been great, and their offense is really predicated on transition offense but if you're not getting stops you can't get out in transition so they're kind of in a weird place right now where they're not getting a lot of stops and that's limiting um some of a big part of what their offense is supposed to be Halliburton really struggled against Kansas afterwards Bill Self mentioned that injury and he certainly didn't look right what have you seen with that wrist injury and could this be a possibility where this guy decides to shut it down if not for a couple of weeks maybe the season if he continues to feel banged up yeah, well, I think there's two interesting interesting things that self said. I think one of them is the injury, and yeah, it seemed like you know he noticed that uh, maybe Halliburton's not 100. percent You know, neither Steve Prohm nor uh, Halliburton wanted to talk about it before the game when we talked to him at practice last week. You know, Prohm said, "Oh, he's fine." Really, did not go into anything else. Halliburton said, "You know, about the same. He's fine." I think it, it is an injury right now that it, you wonder if it's ever going to get healthy during the season. Uh, they do have, I think, a one bye week where they don't play a Big 12 game, and, and so they just have one game instead of two in a week. Maybe he'll get some time there, but um, it's kind of like you kind of re- reminded of like the Nick Babb stuff where it was just nagging for a while, and they end up shutting him down during that, that poor season. Now, Halbert wants to play. He wanted to play against Florida A&M. I think it's going to be tough to uh, shut him down, but at what point um, does it get healthy? I'm, I'm not sure how, how healthy it will get and, and, and that sort of thing. But the other interesting thing that Bill Self mentioned was uh, you know they really game plan to try to take 
uh, Tyrese Halliburton away. And that's one thing that you wonder that as this team struggles a little bit, uh, Halliburton's obviously the piece that makes him go. You know, he had a triple-double against TCU, and they still lost that game. But uh, he's, a, he's a reason that they had a shot to probably win that game down the stretch. And how much do teams start to try to game plan and take away Halliburton to make somebody else beat you? Mm-hmm. Um, because right now it doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of other guys that are you know capable of doing that right now. Now, how the hell did they draw Auburn in this SEC challenge? <laughs> I mean, Auburn is unbeaten. I saw a stat yesterday. They're twenty six and one since they lost a game to Kentucky last February. Twenty six and one. Five seniors on this team. Four of them start. How did they get Auburn? Yeah, they they end up getting a pretty difficult draw from the Big Twelve this year. I think uh, the the Big Twelve um, Big East Alliance came out, and there was uh, Seton Hall, who ends yeah. up being a preseason top fifteen team, and then in the SEC Challenge, you get Auburn, who's one of the few mm. undefeated teams remaining in uh, college basketball, and then. It's just kind of an, an uphill climb for them right now. You look, we were talking, I think, last week uh, about you know what would they need, even either theoretically, do to have a shot at the NCAA tournament. And you're probably talking nine and nine of the Big Twelve, and it, it may be better now because of some of those losses. But uh, it would help be helpful if you could add another uh, win uh, in, in that SEC challenge. But it's looking like, I mean, a really really tough game when you got to go to Auburn yes. and play one of, one of the best teams in the country right now. Uh, absolutely legit national championship team, Auburn. There's, I, I don't think there's any way around it. Alex, we're out of time. Great stuff. Thank you for uh, for what you do for us. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Okay, have a good weekend. Guys. Yeah, you guys, you do the same. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert on Iowa State. NFL conversation to begin the 11 o'clock hour. Chiefs, Vikings, and Packers in that order. Then Claxons, Trent and I till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.